We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the first episode of One Royal Way, Kansas City Sports Network podcast brought to you by Kansas City Strength and Conditioning. We can't thank them enough uh, for helping uh, them, for helping us get Royals content to you on KCSN. We are here at KCSC Homefield Olathe, and I'm joined today by a member of the Kansas City Royals who has trained here at KCSC this offseason, reliever Scott Barlow. Thank you so much for joining us, man. The first episode. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, so how did you get teed up here uh, at this place to be able to to train for your offseason? Yeah, so um, I did a little uh, trip down to Cressy Sports Performance in Florida um, and kind of got like a training program put together with them. Um, and that's where I kind of met Matt Hinckley the, for the first time, who's a partner here. Um, and then when I came back to Kansas City, uh, you know, I wanted to continue, you know, that training uh, regime. And it was kind of hard doing it at like a local gym. Um just because you didn't have like a trainer to make sure, you know, you're doing the exercises correctly. Um, and then I reached out to Matt Hinckley and he, he hooked me up with John here at, uh, you know, Kansas City's uh, Strength and Conditioning. And, um, you know, as soon as I came here, you know, the facilities were awesome. Um, you know, they helped me with, you know, the program that I got from Cressy and kind of showed me the ropes on, you know, some exercises that I didn't understand and um, just loved it ever since. How have they been able to help you improve this offseason? What have you been working on to, to get better for the 2022 season? Come on, for a really good year in 2021. Yeah. Um, so I thought, you know, after that year, uh, you know, my strength, my base strength was pretty good. Um, that was kind of what I worked on previous years. Um, and then this year, you know, uh, you know, sports science coming out more with, you know, the mobility factor and, you know, make, making sure you're moving effectively through the movements um, and everything. And I think you know, combining that with, you know, the new uh, program that I've been working with um, has helped that out a lot, making sure, you know, that I'm able to move through, uh, you know, my throwing motion effectively and efficiently, all while, you know, being able to stay uh, healthy throughout the whole season. Yeah. So obviously the lockout has thrown a wrench into things and I don't want to spend too much time on that. I'd rather look forward to the baseball we are going to have at some point in 2022, but how has the lockout in any way affected like your preparation for the season? Because you should be in Phoenix right now, getting ready or in a surprise, getting ready for the season. So is there, or where do you think you're at in your, uh, your buildup to get ready for the season? Yeah. Um, you know, that was uh, kind of a factor going into the off season, you know, that, you know, the lockout might happen and, you know, sure enough it did, but um, you know, I, I, I don't think too much about it. You know, the timing thing, 
Um, but, you know, having having experience with, you know, that 60, 60 game season with the COVID lockout um, kind of prepared us for this almost. Um, you know, you kind of have to look towards the future a little bit more in now because, you know, you don't know when we're going to have to be reported back. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of just kept it the same. You know, I'm I'm right where I need to be at now, just in case. You know, if the you know phone rings tonight, you know, hey, be out in Arizona tomorrow. You know, I'll be I'll be fine. But um, you know, no, now knowing like, okay, you know, there might be some pushback and whatever. Um, it's kind of almost stay on the same track you would be in in spring. You know, obviously, um, you know, it's it's hard to find hitters, but with here, you know, they have hitters. You can have live. You know, I could talk with Eli anytime and say, hey, like, I need to throw a bullpen tomorrow or, or live tomorrow. You know, no problem at all. Um, so I think having the resource here is going to be more, a lot more beneficial that way, you know, I'm, I'm on track, um, and not feeling like I'm behind or anything just in case, you know, you know, if we get a call tonight, you know, Hey, be ready tomorrow or anything like that. Yeah. And obviously I know you would be, you would in a drop of a hat, be ready to go down a surprise and get ready for this, this season. Looking back to 2021, you were, I mean, you have a heavy workload. You threw 71 games, you threw the most in the 2022 season, uh, and you talked about building up your strength and being able to do that. I'm sure that that plays a factor because you are kind of a Swiss army knife in that bullpen, you know, Hey, I need two outs in the seventh or whenever Matheny calls you, you're ready to go, whether mm -hmm. seventh, eighth, ninth, whatever it is, how does that change your preparation during the season? Because it's not like you're like a Mariano Rivera or something like that, where you it's ninth inning or, and that's, you know, when you're going to go, but any given night it could change. Yeah. Um, you know, because I've had so many repetitions of that situation alone, uh, just having that alone has, you know, helped me a long way. Um, being able to, you know, be prepared throughout the game, whether it be, you know, in the fifth inning or the ninth or whatever it may be. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, just being able to have a routine of somewhat, uh, at least for the first like five innings, because, you know, if, you know, if before that, you know, they'll have a long reliever or something like that uh, to kind of eat up innings. Um, but, you know, having a routine, making sure that, you know, you're getting your stuff done, you know, before the game, throwing wise, making sure you're not doing too much um and feeling comfortable um when you get out there you know it's that's that's half the battle is making sure you're just you're, you're ready to go for that game um you know that you're, you feel healthy that you feel you know loose and relaxed and stretched out and and just kind of try to maintain that through you know nine innings whenever the phone may ring is that something you take pride in and being a guy that you know that mike Matheny can call on at any time to go in and put out a fire or go and get three outs in a game yeah um you know i i find i find great pride in that um you know, being able to be used at whatever point in time in the game. Um, you know, that's every time he came up to me, he said, hey, you ready to go today? You know, just checking, you know, if we threw too many pitches, he'll kind of walk around and, you know, ask, you know, how we're doing and, you know, if we're down that day or whatever. But I'm like, hey, like, I'm, I love pitching. It's, you know, it's a hobby of mine. Um, you know, I love learning about it. So, you know, anytime I'm in the game, what, no matter what time of the game it is, you know, I'm, I'm happy just to be out there playing. So looking into 2022, kind of coming back to, to present day, what's the vibe been with your teammates as you guys have communicated throughout the offseason? Obviously, with a little bit of unknown, but yeah. knowing what is, what's coming forward in 22 with some of these young guys like Bobby Witt Jr., Nick Prado, MJ Melendez, all the pitchers that, that debuted last year and there's more to come. You guys know that, that championship window is beginning to open a little bit. Oh. Um, and maybe not this year, but moving forward, like we can see some steps in the right direction uh, coming forward this year. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it's always fun, you know, whenever we get to spring, um, you know, seeing the guys and everything. And, you know, it seems like, you know, there was never an off season, uh, but, you know, our team dynamic, I think, you know, has really developed, you know, the past couple of years, um, you know, especially with the young guys and, um, you know, kind of how everything's situated. And um, I think we're in a really good spot. Um, 
I'm super excited for, you know, this upcoming season and, uh, you know, season's future. And, um, you know, especially with the, you know, young guys, Bobby Witt, from, for example, um, every time we had a guy, you know, come up from AAA, we would always, um, you know, ask how he's doing and everything. And he's like, oh, what do, you, what do you got on Bobby? Like, what has he done? He's like, man, like every time there's a guy, he's like, man, that's that kid's like the real deal. And so we're, we're really pumped, uh, you know, to see him. And then Prado, you know, I've heard awesome things about him and, you know, just super pumped to see, you know, what all, you know, to see what, you know, the Royals are doing, um, the farm system, the guys that they're, they're uh, developing down there. It's pretty impressive. What did you see from some of the the young pitchers that came up this year? Uh, Daniel Lynch, Jackson Coar made their major league debut. Singer and Bubich had time as well. But those are, I mean, that's a huge part of the rotation moving forward. And there's guys like John Bull and Alec Marsh and others that are coming soon. What do you see from those guys and how they're going to be able to, to solidify a pitching staff that really needs to be solidified here moving forward? Yeah, um, you know, every single one of those guys has you know, unbelievable stuff, like top tier stuff. And you know, every time I'm watching them throw, I'm like, man, like, I wish I had that. Um, you know, it's, it's always tough, you know, your first season, you know, I, I struggled for sure. My first season, you know, you, you never really feel like you fit in quite, quite yet, but I feel like, you know, with our team dynamic, I mean, everybody feels like such a tight knit group that, that, that's not so much, uh, the, the biggest issue, but you know, the, the competition part, making sure, you know, throwing first pitch strikes, um, you know, executing on two, two, two strike counts. And, um, you know, that's just something that, you know, you develop over time and, and kind of sense and feel more comfortable with, um, you know, every outing, um, you know, you can always, uh, get something out of it. You know, you never want to like practice during a game. Um, but you know, it's something that you can always take away to, to improve. And, you know, those guys are definitely on the right track. Absolutely. So I'm a huge nerd and I was looking at your pitch usage from last season and the last couple of seasons, you're almost, you're throwing your slider more than your fastball at times. And last year it was actually the highest that it's been your slider usage. How do you become comfortable throwing a, like a, what's considered a secondary pitch as essentially your primary? What, how, what kind of goes into that and kind of retraining your brain to think, okay, I can go, I can go to my slider and kind of pitch backwards to guys rather than needing to just rely on a fastball. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, coming up through the minor leagues, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's very important, you know, to be able to, you know, locate your fastball and, um, you know, be able to be, you know, that is your primary. And, um, you know, I take, you know, pride in, you know, my fastball location and, you know, that was kind of my next big thing was, okay, secondary pitch, like, you know, whether if you're, you know, a starter or reliever, like you'll, you'll need a secondary pitch and, and feel very comfortable with it. And, you know, that's where, you know, the slider came in and, um, you know, practicing that, making sure not only, you know, can I get the right shape, but, you know, can I put it where I want? Um, and that's something that I've been working on the past few years is making sure that, um, you know, I'm able to do a two strike slider versus, you know, an OO slider, whether it's, you know, backdoor, uh, glove side, you know, always working on that, uh, that way, you know, you're not predictable with the fastball. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, over time, you, you, it'll kind of like wax and wane on, you know, which one you're going to use more, um, which one you feel more comfortable with. But um, I've always I've always thought it was important to me to have, you know, a good secondary pitch that you can locate and have, you know, the movement that you want. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about Salvador Perez. Obviously, he had an incredible offensive season, but he's been the stalwart behind the plate for so long. And you've thrown to him for your whole career in the big leagues. What has he been able to teach you and what kind of dynamic do you guys have that's kind of helped you progress? Yeah. Um, offensively, like every time, you know, he's coming up to bat, we're always like, it's incredible. Locked it, in. it was incredible. Last Cause year. I mean, even, even the pitches that he would get, we would just be in awe that he would get the barrel to like up and away. It seemed like, okay, that's a for sure ball, ball out of the hand. And he would just, you know, crank it oppo like four fifty, no problem. 
and it was just super impressive to watch. But um, having him behind the dish is just, it's the most comfortable feeling because you never feel like you're alone out there. He's, he's in the fight with you. He's, he's giving you the confidence like, hey, like, um, you know, I think this is a, like the, the right pitch to do. And like you could see it through his, you know, his uh, uh, body language. And that, that alone gives you confidence because sometimes, you know, you'll come, kind of be on the fence of, you know, like, okay, I want to throw this pitch, but this pitch is also an option. And then he'll kind of go, you know, with that first pitch to kind of reassure you, like, okay, we're on the same page. And, uh, you know, that takes time for sure. Um, being able to, you know, get that communication with your catcher and having that, you know, line of communication open to, uh, to uh, tell him like, oh, okay, this is the pitch that I've been feeling really comfortable with. And, you know, he's great, great listener. And, um, it gives you feedback like, Hey, like, you know, if this hitter is struggling with a certain, uh, pitch, he, he probably won't go off of it. Like it's, he'll, he'll tell you like, Hey, this is the right pitch. And I always feel comfortable with that. And I think that's what he's taught me the most is like the, the trust factor in your team. Um, whether it be Salvi or the guys behind you, like I have full, full trust in, in every single one of those guys behind me, whether, and then you don't have to feel there's less pressure. It's like, okay, right. now, now I don't have to, you know, try to, you know, make him always swing and miss like you, you can be like okay i can you know have this guy uh hit the ball and be like okay i'm gonna have a, the fastest outfield ever right run it down or you know nicky lopez with you know the incredible um not only offenses but defensive season that he always has and um just any any one of those guys out there you know you just feel super comfortable with we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. 
a lot of times last year, even when there was some losing streaks and some struggles, it always felt like there was a few guys, namely Salvi, that just played the game with such joy. And, you know, they're just happy to be out there. And we were just watching some kids over here right as we we started this interview. They're out there running around, playing catch, having a great time. I don't know how old they were, but that we right before we got on here, I said, you know, that's when baseball is at its best because they're playing with that joy. How do you still have that? You know, you've been playing for so long and now it's a job where you're making money to play and play paid handsomely to do so. How do you still make keep it fun and continue to have that joy? Because it's a long season. It's a grind. You can't take it too seriously for that long. Yeah. Um. Yeah, especially at this level. I mean, I know when I first got up, you're very, you're very concerned about yourself and, you know, wanting to stay in the big leagues and, you know, wanting to be successful. And, you know, that's, that's obviously a key factor in, you know, your development as a player. Um, but I think kind of once you get over that hurdle, it's okay. Like I'm bigger than, you know, just me, like this is a team effort. Um, and it may be, it, sometimes it doesn't feel like that just cause you're, you know, a pitcher and I'm the one of the ball and having to do, you know, it's, it's very like a lonesome feeling, but once you get past that and look at it as a team effort, I think then you can kind of, you know, have that, you know, good atmosphere of fun and, and have a good time. And then, you know, you really, then you really start, you know, cheering for your teammates. Um, and I think, you know, that's when things start to get fun. Um, kind of when you take your focus off yourself, like, of course, you have to train and, and take your own business. But, um, you know, when the game's on, like, you know, you're cheering for your team and, you know, hoping that you can do something to help your team. Um, and I think that was, you know, a big, an eye, an eye opener um, for me at least, because you know when you have your failures, you have your team to look forward to you and and help pick you up, or you know then you can get an opportunity if you know if a guy has a tough night, you know you then you can have the opportunity to uh, you know lift a guy up, and you know that's when the you know team chemistry kind of builds that the game to make it fun. Yeah. So who was the kid when you were growing up learning to love the game of baseball? Is there a certain player that you kind of gravitated towards that helped you fall in love with the game or a certain team or something like that? Yeah. So I grew up in, um, in Connecticut and it's pretty split between Yankees and Red Sox fans. Right. Um, I grew up a New York fan. And so we usually had, you know, their channel on my TV. So that was the pretty much the only game I got to watch. But, um, yeah, I, I liked just, I would say, you know, the Yankee Red Sox rivalry rivalry, had me fall in love with the game. Oh um, yeah. Just because you could see the passion on both sides of the team and being able to watch that as a kid, you know, especially in that era, earlier two thousands, mm -hmm. um, you know, was really kind of, you know, spoiled me a little bit. And, you know, with that, you know, that type of uh atmosphere. And I think, you know, those intense games really, you know, had me um, you know, fall in love. And watching Pedro Martinez, I loved watching him throw or Alfonso Soriano, I loved watching him hit on the Yankees and um, so I'd say like, you know, those two teams playing against each other was, uh, probably, you know, where I first loved the game. It's still the best rivalry in sport. It's one of the, if not the best rivalry in sports and yeah. just see those guys, especially in that like Oh three, Oh four, when both those ALCS, they go to game seven, the Yankees win it in Oh three Red Sox come back from three Oh down to an Oh four. Like it just God, that that's such a good era of baseball. Yeah, it it really is. And so to grow and to grow up watching those guys now, like it, man, it's just incredible. <laughs> Uh, was there a, you mentioned Pedro, but was there a guy that you really tried to emulate as a kid, like, or, you know, kind of helped you, you know, think about like, Oh, I want to throw that slider. Obviously your slider is really good, but you know, was there somebody that kind of helped you realize like, I want to throw that pitch. I want to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, uh, growing up in that area, you know, you had like Roger Clemens with his fastball oh, yeah. and, you know, splitter and, um, you know, so obviously, you know, you wanted Roger Clemens fastball and, um, then you had like, you know, Mike Mussino with a knuckle curve and, Mariano with a cutter and um and I think you know those guys especially you know they had such like 
legendary repertoires and in, in their in their in their um, arsenal and you know being able to watch that and and see kind of you know their intensity as well like Roger Clemens was you know you know just you know crazy on the mound at some points and uh, you know I've always I've always loved that you know showing your passion on the field and um, and you know I'd always you know go in my front yard and we had like a like a glass door and you could, it was reflective. So you'd always like, you know, you watch a game and then you go outside and, you know, try to emulate their pitching windups and everything. And that kind of gives you a little basis of, you know, how to pitch. Um, right. And that's kind of, you know, where I started to, you know, really look into pitching mechanics. And then, you know, as a kid, you can get lessons and you got lessons and um, then it just kind of builds from there. So looking into 20, kind of bring it back to 2022 again, uh, what are your, do you set goals for yourself going into the season of like, you know, you write it down in your locker and like, I need to hit these benchmarks or do you just kind of take the season as it goes and, you know, just try and, you know, the cliche of do your best every day or get 1% better or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, you know, typically at the end of the season, I'm, I don't really look at my stats throughout the season. Maybe I'll check, um, you know, all-star break or something, but, um, I don't look at it on like a day-to-day -day basis too much, but, uh, at the end of the season, you know, you, you kind of, kind of have to you're like, right. okay where was i you know um so i kind of look at that and then before the season okay like this is you know it's, it's hard to get basic numbers like of course i want you know three thousand strikeouts in a season or something crazy like that but uh you know i i try to keep it realistic like okay i just maybe get one more strikeout yeah. and that seems very you know doable um and uh I, but i think it's more of like for me at least it's a it's a mental side thing um I try to do my biggest things like first pitch strike. Like that's my biggest, uh, you know, thing that I always, always have to work on ever since I was in minor leagues, even until now is, you know, get ahead. Um, just cause it makes your head, uh, you know, your job a lot easier, but, um, typically I don't, I'm not too much of a numbers guys where it's like, okay, I want my ER this strikeouts that it's more of like, okay, first pitch strikes and just be as competitive and get something, get better at something every day. All right, so we'll take it away from the field just a little bit. What are you doing outside of the game? Because I know you could be baseball every day if you really wanted to, but what do you do to kind of keep yourself grounded and balanced? Yeah, um, so typically, you know, this the season ended, but, you know, duck hunting is, you know, a great passion of mine. I love that. Um, and then I love fishing. It's, you know, I, it's, 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 it's harder here. We just moved uh, to Kansas City from Arkansas. In Arkansas, you can pretty much fish all year long. Right. It's not as cold, but, um, you know, when it warms up, we uh we got some ponds around our house that we can that we can fish around and um trying to think what else those are probably the two biggest ones and then you know i'll play i'll play like video games and stuff with friends and teammates and that's kind of a good way to keep in touch and yeah okay so who's the best video like what game are you guys playing and who's the best uh so right now we're playing warzone yeah uh rebirth resurgence and uh me josh stalmont and cam gallagher Okay. Uh, pretty much like the, the three that we, we play with a lot. Um, and Stamont's pretty good. He's, well, he's solid. Well, and you also got that pitcher-catcher relationship. Yeah, so you yeah. got to keep building that off the mound, you know? Yeah. Um, what's your favorite road trip that you guys Ooh. take? And when you get to that city, what's like the go-to thing that you have to do? Mm, that's a great question. Um, I think I like – Seattle's very cool. Uh just because the, the city's a little different layout, it's um, very cool. Like, and the food's really good. You can get really good sushi. Like, I'm a big foodie too. I love I love to cook. I love to try different try different foods. So, um, 
anywhere with good food. Typically, that's like my go-to. Chicago's really cool. Um, it's it's fun. Usually, my wife will come out to some of the road trips, and we'll, we'll she'll go to a city that she hasn't been to, and we'll kind of you know walk around the town and check out some new restaurants and stuff. So uh, that's I can't think of one on, on the top of my head though. Is there one you're looking forward to for this year? Because you guys are playing the NL West this year. I okay. So you get like San Diego, Ooh. LA, Colorado. Yeah. Any of those kind of San? Di- I've heard great things about San Diego. Just the city alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard, you know, that the weather's awesome. Like, it's incredible. It's, it's yeah. awesome. I heard the stadium's really cool. Um, so I'm, I'm, I think that's probably the, the one I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I got, I got to go out to San Diego when I was a senior in college for something, and we got to do a tour of Petco. That that stadium is amazing. We got to go up on the Western Metal Supply Company building oh, and really? look down. We were like on the roof, basically. Yeah. And yeah, you can see where Hunter Renfro hit a ball up there, like, <laughs> or Tatis. I think Tatis even hit one further than that. But yeah, yeah. That, that's a really cool stadium and a really cool like there because it's built around downtown. You get a really cool view of downtown from the batter's eye. Yeah. So it's it's a really cool spot. Yeah, that's always cool when you ever go to a. To, to a stadium and you saw some like legendary long home run there and you're like on tv it doesn't do it justice like it you can tell like oh that's a really far home run but then when you see it in person it's like whoa that's yeah. really far I, i've watched guys that, like i remember i was game with the i think the angels played in uh, kansas city when trout hit one to the, the part of the fountains that i've never seen before it's just and i think salvi hit one pretty close there too this year so oh, yeah solaire would do it mm-hmm. all those guys man um uh, I, I got one last question here for you um if you had like your welcome to the big leagues moment, like what, what was that for you that like, Oh, this isn't the Texas league or, or whatever. You no, know, like I'm in the big leagues. Was it somebody you faced? Was it like looking out on a big league mound? And what was that for you? Yeah. Uh, so my major league debut was at Fenway and there was kind of like, there's a little bit of backstory. Like I was kind of up and down on some double headers and, and didn't get the throw. So I went to Toronto, came back down, went to Detroit, like the next day, came back down. And then finally, got called back up and I think we played a series maybe against Houston didn't throw. So it was a little frustrating, you know, not being able to pitch, but you know, still happy to be there. Like, you're like, okay, I'm still I'm in a big league locker room. I'm watching big league games, you know? So that was really cool. And, but you know, there's still that like, okay, I want to throw at least one pitch in the big leagues just to say, you know, I did it. Um, so then finally we went to Fenway and uh, I think it was like raining and you know, my family was there and uh, I think we were losing by, five or six and seventh inning finally get the call Barlow you're in the game so I'm warming up and this is when Vance Wilson was our bullpen coach and I'm getting ready to go out to uh to pitch the gates open and Vance kind of pulls me back and um he says hey enjoy it you'll never forget this for the rest of your life and that just sends chills up my up my arms and spine and I'm just like oh okay here we go so I sprint out and then finally in Fenway they play Sweet Caroline yeah and so I'm warming up to that. Oh, wow. For my debut. And I'm just like, and after like I hear my wife was telling my mom's crying, everybody's crying. And um, just listening to that and listening to the fans sing, sing along to that. Even in the rain, it's still packed. And Of course. Um, that was a really, really cool moment. Um, cool moment big league debut at fenway while sweet caroline's playing like i don't i don't know if you can write a better script no. for a lot of big league players to have their debut there man that's awesome well scott hey this has been fantastic i really appreciate your time hopefully you do get a call that you're heading down a surprise tomorrow hopefully. because we need the baseball season to start here <laughs> soon thank you so much and thank you to everyone watching appreciate it thank you
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.